yeah, we're just, just starting to get back into school finally. It's been great for me because she's usually in my office and I've been auditing her classes. <laughs> I love it. It's, you know, I'm like trying to stay focused on work. I love it. Love learning. All right. I think that we are up and live now. So don't freak out, but there's probably millions. Millions. Okay. T tens. Um, no, we're up and running and... I will take this chance now to make you the host. Okay. Should I share screen now or? No, not yet. Let's okay. do, uh, um, we'll do some introductions. Um, let people, let okay. people filter in the room. And then we will, we'll set you loose. Cool. So. Um, and I'm not going to be able to see the chat, right? No, I'll keep an eye on the chat and uh, um, log any questions that come in and, and uh, report those back. And then if anything disastrous happens during, I'll unmute myself uh, and let okay. you know if anything, if there's anything weird happening behind you in your office. Ooh, that hasn't happened before. Actually, no. the dog got picked up today and she's at, uh, yeah, that would have been... <laughs> What was, I heard somebody say the other day or saw it, uh, the only thing worse than the dog interrupting your Zoom call is not showing us the dog. Uh, you got to show us your puppy. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, uh, you know, a ratings victory is, is a victory regardless of how you get it. The beginning of Zoom. Do you remember when, uh, hi everyone, uh, when you could rent a llama to attend your Zoom meeting? Uh, no. Oh, I, I thought that was very creative. So everybody would be here and then you have a llama in your tiles. I thought that was cute. Huh. Um, my dog likes to make sure that, oh, I actually, I was doing a presentation two weeks ago for Virginia and I saw a power truck pull up right in front of the house. Like, oh, that's weird. I hope it's not too loud. And 10 minutes later, like all my power goes out. Like, shit, 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 hang on, hang on. And uh, so that was, that was a tricky one to navigate. Yeah, I'm just going through my set of solutions. It's a very short list. <laughs> if you have no power, I do have a battery backup. It could be noisy, but I did. I do have a big battery backup. Yeah, yeah there wasn't. It was just a timeout. It was just a about a 15 minute timeout. There wasn't any good, good solution for that one. Um, so what is happening weather wise where you're located? Sunny. Ooh, we can see the sun coming in. That's good. Cloudy. Um. And we got spring trying to pop out. Daffodils are up. Cherry blossoms are happening. And uh, far cry from being on top of a, up on top of Snoqualmie Pass yesterday, going yes. through a, a snowstorm. Did you have some good skiing though? Yeah. I'm sore. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> sign then. You did I'm it like, right. Yeah, like, well, all right, is that, are those sore muscles from exercise or falling on my butt? <laughs> I feel a little bit of both. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, well, see, we're at three after. We've got about 50 people in the room. So give it maybe one more minute and we'll get rolling. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, Probably a couple that I know. Now you're in Washington, right? Yeah, in Vancouver, Washington. Okay. Yeah, not, not Vancouver, BC, near Portland, Oregon, as they say, but not Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon, and Washington State. <laughs> a lot of knots, but yeah, lovely Vancouver, Washington. The coup, if you live here, is what the you coup. call it. From the coup. I like it. Yeah. All right. Um, well, good, good. Awesome place. awesome place to live. Well, then let me do an introduction, and then I will turn it over to you. So, all right, Shana, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and being a part of the Three Day Bender, the world's uh, oldest downtown unconference. Um, and you are wrapping up our, our uh, Tuesday set of sessions, our day one session. So um, a place of honor. Uh, Shanette Corkill is a retail environment expert um, and founder of Front Door Back. In 2009, founded Front Door Back, started to bring the best in store design and visual merchandising to brick and mortar entrepreneurs across the country. 
Her focus is on providing creative and technical design assistance to an array of independent businesses. She is an experienced retail environment designer with background in store planning, flow analysis, shopper insights, fixture design, visual merchandising, environmental graphics, lighting, and window displays. She helps cities, districts, an array of individual retail, restaurants, and service establishments across the country with a few national brands included for good measure, tell a coherent story with their storefronts, lighting, signage, window displays, and merchandising approaches. The intersection of these elements is how to build brand relationship and drive traffic to a place. Executing well on these elements is how you lure customers in the door. And ultimately, they're how you entice people to spend money, increasing your sales per square foot. So with that, I will hand the controls over to you. Then thanks so much for being here. All right, I'm driving. I'm gonna do the share screen. Hi, everyone. I'll, I'll catch up on the, the chat later. So yeah, I'm gonna talk about lighting and I ended up submitting quite the, probably the shortest session description ever, how to stop making bad decisions about lighting. But you guys said be brief, so I was. Um, and ultimately that's what I want everyone that is sitting here looking at the, at the screen today is to be more informed about how to make the decisions that kind of come at you and how to how to strategize where you should start and then once you know where to start what should you do that sort of thing so um i want you guys to know that um yes it is very important to invest in lighting your district and lighting your store that when you do that you are i'm going to see if i can click to the next slide okay just got to make sure the car is working here that you've got six distinct layers of light, and I'm going to go through those, that create a comprehensive and a really effective district story. And at the end, I'm going to go through some technical stuff. They're lighting concepts and terms that you that you really need to know, because you got to buy the lights by the numbers. Otherwise, you're going to get home and go or get to the district and go, that's not what we wanted. Um, once you know those terms and concepts, you'll know how to make a good decision for your situation. And then I also want you to, to be able to, when you're out and about now, start to notice light and realize if it's working for you or if it's working against you. So that's hopefully what, you know, at the end of this sort of thing, as we, you know, fly through all this, this content that I've got, that you're going to walk away that you know more about this kind of stuff, uh, the lighting. So lighting in general um why am i such a geek about lighting because to me it's it's so important to create an emotional connection with anything um it tells us it creates an emotional story it tells us uh, a story it tells us where to look first um it tells us what's important i bet when you're looking at this image right now of a window display how many of you looked at the faces first or the vase first versus the carpet or the chair because there's light on those things, that's our starting point. And then we navigate around. So light directs our eyes and tells us what's important. It also, when it's on colors, the shadow creates a muted one. When it's in the light, it creates a vibrant color and colors create emotion. And it's always about engaging the senses and creating emotional connections and color is one of those five senses. So lighting hits or misses the color. Um, it adds significance in its presence. It, it just sets a scene and says, here you go. And here's gonna be the story that we're gonna talk about. Um, and for me, in my retail background, lighting is a sales tool. It's not just about uh, creating an emotion, but I want to direct activity. Places in a store that have more light get more foot traffic. Products within a store that have light focused on them end up getting more interaction and ultimately greater sell through. So I look at it as, as a sales tool. And if you've taken the time to invest in your districts and renovate your buildings, invite new retail and program events, um, I want you to use lighting to sell your district. And that's a 24 hour story that your district has to tell. It's not just open, from um, nine to five because the restaurants are open in the evening hours and that's really when you've got people that are willing to engage and absorb your story and they're window shopping and if your lights in your downtown aren't on you've, you've missed an opportunity so lighting is a sale light is a sales tool and i want you to use it to sell your districts because you've invested a lot in creating these great spaces and places um, on main street all right big picture here we go so once upon a time, there was this charming little town in central Oregon and an absolutely charming historic 
storefronts. They took uh, the old cladding off, opened up the transom. They started inviting the right kind of tenant mix downtown. And uh, here's your beautiful paint scheme and your transoms and your paint colors. And come back downtown at night for a restaurant. We've got fine dining and it's beautiful. And then when they did, as a shopper, what happened to these beautiful storefronts? That the town just turned itself off other than a few here and a street light there. And it was just kind of sad because it's exciting to go back, but it's a missed opportunity to showcase the district. In the dark, there really is nothing to look at. And that's from a sales and promotion standpoint. There's even the safety side of the coin. We just don't feel safe in dark environments. So back up to the brightness. This is Disneyland. And in an ideal world, yes, this is what Main Street could look like. If we also had Disneyland's budget, this is what Main Street could look like. And I realize we don't, we don't have that budget. Um, nor should we try to duplicate this because we don't want we don't want perfection, but we want the best that we can be. So um, it, it don't let this, I you know, perfect deter you from making some progress somewhere. And that's what the talk today is about. Is like, where do we start building what we've got to work with up? And we're going to do it layer by layer. And the six layers of light that I'm going to start going through are the this is the list, the ridge line, the architectural, the signage, pathway, entryway, all the way down to the window display. I did not list them in order of importance. I just started physically at the top of the buildings and then worked my way down to the ground. And that was just a physical, logical way for me to, to go about it. And at the end, I'll talk about where I think you sh should and could start, uh, kind of starting from, from square one. So the first layer lighting is ridgeline lighting and it defines the space. It is just that. It outlines the tops of the buildings and the parapets and then the shapes of the roofs. And ridgeline lighting provides for us, the viewers, a sense of comfort because we understand where the buildings are and then also where they're not. So, so it basically kind of creates a room. It shrinks instead of a big wide open space. Now we have a more defined place to begin to work with. So it's a it's kind of a, a comfort level. Ridgeline lighting also communicates when they're on that you're open for business. Um, it's, a, it's a good year round atmospheric that I think is an important um, component. And back to the example, you, know, you can see the shapes of, of the buildings and the roof lines. That's Disneyland. Let's be a little bit more modest and down to earth in terms of what we ex what I experience on a day to day basis in terms of coming back to Main Street is here's the ridge line that you guys can see that just outlines the building I wouldn't understand that it's a two story corner. Unless they had put the lights up there and so it they, they did it right in terms of defining what their space is here I have a better understanding of this building because of its ridge line outline defining light. This particular, just a single restaurant communicates to me because of the shape that it's outlining that it's got a Western format and I would have lost that aspect. It, it would have been invisible to me had light not been on that part of the building at this time of day. So it enhanced and reinforced what their brand is and brought it to life because of the outlining. So keep remembering that, I'll repeat it, Ridgeline defines. So that's the buildings. It involves organizing a lot of property owners and businesses together. That can be a, like wrestling or trying to herd a bunch of cats. A lot of times the next layer of defining a space could be the trees. And this is where I see a lot of Main Street start by, by doing tree lighting. There are a lot of things that need to happen in order for this to occur easily. But I'll just say that when it's done and done right, it really helps define the space. It's another form of, of defining uh, a district. So outlining both would really be uh, spectacular if you can build those layers, kind of a background of the building and the foreground of the trees. And you know where the district starts and stops, just like where you know the front of the store is and you know where the back of the store is. You've got your, you've got your zone in there. So what should you use for ridgeline lighting? Um, so you 
go buy Christmas lights and put those across the top of the buildings. Um, I, this is what I would recommend that you do. I like to get commercial strands. There's, there's strings and that's the picture over there on the right. And you see the sockets and I buy a thousand foot roll in black or white or green and I get them at 12 inch spacing. If you get six inch spacing at a distance, the lights start to blur and you kind of lose that individual point of light. So 12 inch spacing, you've got a commercial strand. If the wire gets broken, you can splice in because you can cut it to the length that you need. And that also means you can repair it. And then you also get to choose what kind of light bulb you put in there, whether it's a globe light or it's a candelabra light. And I'll talk later about the color of those lights that you should get, but you can customize all of it. And the cost per linear foot initially is a little bit more than just going and buying you know, lights at Home Depot, but the maintenance for this and the ability to have this be a long-term asset and get your return on investment is, is by far and away, it's better to go ahead and get these commercial runs of lights uh, and, and put them together yourself and then work on connecting the dots all down your district there. Unfortunately, um, this was an attempt at defining their storefront and Christmas lights are great at Christmas. After Christmas is over, I think it's time to take them down. And I understand that they wanted to draw attention to their storefront here. However, um, I think it would there are other approaches and I think things that are more spaced and less tied to the holiday season, but are still defining like what I just showed you before to help outline if they did want to do the awning or we could move it to the top of the building and just simply outline the shape or even go down the whole district there versus just one store owner. Now we could have several. So right idea, just the execution. This is another ah, rope lights. <laughs> They're trying to define their piece of the block. And I understand it just looks a little sloppy and there's nothing really high end. It doesn't, doesn't to me really add value to the aesthetic that they're trying to express about themselves. So I think the best place for these rope lights is in the recycling bin. And then the modern version of rope lights is the LED little diode strips that get taped up inside of everybody's windows. I see these a lot now. Um, I Those can go with the rope lights because it's uh, these have the added benefit of they're really harsh on your eyes. Those bright light diodes are coming. They're not even encased in a rope. They're just coming straight at your eyes. And that is, that's harsh. And what it does is it, it actually makes us look away because it is harsh on the eye. So here we are being, ideally we wanna look through the windows and see what that space is like. And yet uh, they're busy trying to define the window. It's not that interesting architecturally, it's just the box and, and it's assaulting my eyes. So those can go away too, um, fairly well. Uh, if somebody is heading to the hardware store, no matter what, guide them <laughs> this is the next best case. Guide them to buy that big, big light at the very end. The bigger, the better versus tiny. The other ones are associated with, with, with decoration and residential scale. When you're putting things in a commercial space, you have to think of commercial scale. So if one were to go right now and have to go buy it, then I will say, okay, out of self-defense, get the C9 light bulb. So this, hopefully that little diagram kind of shows you that. And another form of ridgeline lighting that helps define the space are what some people call them festival lights, cafe lights, um, string lights, bistro lights. This type of light bulb is called an Edison bulb because the filament, even, and they make them in LED and both of these examples in the photo are actually LED. Uh, fill, um, the filament is exposed. They're not super bright, but they're warm and inviting. And what that does is when you drape them across the street, or you drape them over an eating area, it redefines a new space. So it's outlining a more intimate conversational gathering space. And when we see lights like this, and I see them on a lot of outdoor seating now for COVID, um, excuse me, for the outdoor dining, I know I'm gonna find people there, um, or at least take out, <laughs> depending on what phase you're in. Uh, so it helps redefine and, and advertise and communicate a space. So ridgeline defining, and there are different forms of ridgeline lighting. All right, number two, architectural. Uh, this shows us within the outline, what's within, what are those outlines defining? What type of architecture are we dealing with? What are these buildings about? And 
a big part of Main Street is preservation of the buildings. And I want to showcase when you do have unique architecture and unique assets, lighting will help communicate that when people enter after hours and they're driving around downtown and you've got that beautiful post office or the courthouse or an old theater, those things should be destination and landmarks that are illuminated with light. Sell me your history by showing me your history after hours. Here's an example of that. Uh, architecture is, uh, it tells me that the important part is lit, you know, the tower up there with the clock, the corbels and the underside where the soffit are, are catching the light and bouncing it back down. And it's very clear what's special about this building. The second interesting thing are the arches of the windows because they're washing a little bit of light up on that because they placed some light kind of in the middle there. So light introduces to us what's important about the, the architecture uh, in a building. Suppose you don't have a building that, that's fan that is that fancy. Plain Jane, nothing wrong with being plain Jane. You can do something too. How about that? Because of the repetition along the length of the wall, I know how big the building is. The front of the building, they've got up light and down light, it tells me that it's tall and then it grazes the brick. So what is looks plain Jane on the one side is really interesting pattern and texture. I talked earlier about how light can show texture. So you can see it undulating and showcasing that this thing is just good old strong brick. It's a sturdy, simple building. And lighting tells me that at night. And I'd be really interesting to find out what this is about during the day when they're open. Suppose you don't have a big fancy, not fancy, big plain Jane building like that. Even simple little architectural sconces on the left and the right side of the window add some interest. Now they're not going to add, it's not going to, the light bulbs here aren't strong enough to showcase all the lap siding or to light a pathway, but because they're lit, it tells us that's uh, somebody's home because the lights are on and that's just an interesting little aspect of that side of the building. And sconces oftentimes indicate to us along the face of a building, where's the front door? Usually, you know, it's like the, the little lights are right there on either side of it. It's just like sentries right there. So um, where they're placed and even the style of the fixture can add some personality, whether you've got these lantern style or you have something that's more modern and it's just cylindrical. Um, the style of the light fixture itself can be kind of like, you know, the earrings on the outfit kind of helps set the tone. And awnings, once they're up, they become part of the building, especially awnings that have a, a angled face to them. Um, I like to be able to, they're there, they're, they're part of the family. We got to include them. So let's light the awnings. When you do have awnings like that, though, that means you get to light them from above. And we're also going to satisfy having some light underneath to shine down on the sidewalk so the people can have the light, the building gets the light, and then the people get the light underneath it. But because they are actual, our architectural details, they should get light also. Signage lighting. So first line, ridge line defines architectural, showcases the important details and textures. And the third identifies the places that are in the building. It's telling me who's here, who's inside this building. Great example of a building whose tenants have lit their names. And when we work with retailers, there's uh, we focus a lot of attention and retailers are getting you get your logo and you get your font and then you figure out where your sign's going to go and you try to have your layers of signage and then we want to show it off and and then a lot of times people forget about lighting their sign for after hours and I you need to keep your sign turned on 24 seven by lighting it and then how you light it is also important. This is an example of a very commonly used light fixture. It's called a gooseneck. The shade of it, kind of like a bowl, is canted back so that the light bulb itself, the, the light doesn't escape and come to me, the viewer, but it comes out and it falls on the building where the signage is, where it should be. And you have to have the light bulb out from the face of the sign and angled back. You can't come at it from across the street or from the side and try to you know stretch it across. It has to be out in front. And that's what goosenecks do. They put the light bulb out there in the right place. And I want you to learn something from their spacing on here. They have light, yes. However, 
I would have scooted the light fixtures closer together so that shadow cleft, that dark spot that starts to sneak into the letters won't be there. <clears throat> You'll get light cones that start to overlap. So all the letters are in the light versus little shadow here, a little shadow there. So that has to do with the spacing of the lights, which means maybe their big name over there would have been, they would have just been closer together, or maybe they would have added three instead of two goosenecks. And maybe over on where it said Irish pub and eatery, maybe it would have been four instead of just three. So that is something that you could start to pay attention to is a, where should we put the light and what kind of light and then how many uh, of those light fixtures should we have? Um, sorry about, yeah, nighttime photos are hard to take, I got to tell you, and um, if I, one little shaky hand, and, ugh, but um, it's a great example of goosenecks, but they moved them a little bit closer, and their storefront is awake 24-7 because they put light on their name. Um, light, lighting your name, wherever it is, uh, should be just a basic, you have to do it. That's just part of the cost of having a sign on your storefront. And here's another example, uh, more of a modern approach to getting that light bulb in the right place. This is a, it's a bullet light with a straight arm that comes straight out from the building. They have puddles of light close enough that they got all the letters lit up. And I can see it. This was the top of a building across the street, downtown Portland, uh, a few years back. And it just stood out. And I knew Jack Spade is in that building because it, it was lit. Um, yeah, so where you put it, how you put it, and the style of the light bulb there. This I included because I love the whole storefront became their sign. And because they're using their entire storefront to brand themselves and name themselves, the type of lighting that they installed is along the whole length of the store. And that's called a wall washer. And it's just a tube of, of light and it goes end to end to end and it carries the light all the way down, kind of grazing it almost like a, a waterfall of light. Um, I just, it was a, a fantastic example and draws your attention to the entire storefront and its dual sign. This is what retailers look like without lighting on the storefront. It's that you just become invisible. I know this is a sweet shop because I see a cupcake inside because there's light on it, but I'm not sure who who it is because I can't see their name. And then this example right here, um, what name of the right, what's the name of the pub? They, they have light everywhere, but not in the right location aimed at the name of uh, name of the pub. So this is an example of what not to do. It's, it's the lights that are coming at my camera um, basically are parking lot lights and they've got, I see they have goosenecks. They've got their plantings all lit up. They've got their entryway all lit up. They just missed naming their sign. Perhaps they thought that those lights that were shining in the parking lot, there'd be just enough borrowed light, or maybe the street light across the corner might carry enough over. You have to have dedicated light for your signage lighting. Just yeah, That's just part of the investment there. So unfortunately, the investment in the sign is lost at night because, yeah, we just don't see it. Blade signs need to be lit too. And if you look at the underside closer to the window, you can see two spotlights in this example. Uh, so it was the right idea, but what happened is that they let the electrician install the lights too far away. And the light is petering out by the time it gets there and it kind of bounces off the face and goes out. And then if you stand across the street or you're getting out of your car and you're looking at it, it can kind of, kind of blind you. You, you want to have light where you want it, but you don't want to interfere with anybody's ability to see the sign. So here's an example of a perfect um, once it's a fixture that held the sign. It also held the lights in just the right spot. They were centered in the sign face. They were about 18 to 20 inches away and they were shining straight, straight at the sign face. And you can look for these sign holders that have integrated lights and they make them for ceilings and they make them for walls. Um, so you can put them on the side of the building. And I love it because it's one hole that you drill and you bring the wires through and now you've powered up two lights instead of having to poke two holes in your building for lights and then something for the sign. So I, I like the efficiency of the fixture and the fact that it puts lights in the right spot. And um, 
it supports that second layer of important signage, building signage for uh, wayfinding on the approach. And once people are out of their car, or they rode their bike and they're walking down the sidewalk, you need to speak to them as pedestrians and you need to have a blade sign and that needs to be lit. So light your signs, pathway lighting, number four. So signage told us who was there, pathway lighting shows us how to get there at night. And lighted pathways really help create connections and improve circulation in a downtown district. It allows people to feel safe. You know, if you had to park a block and a half away and we want people to get out and walk, right? Um, but they've got to feel safe going from where they are to where they need to go. And lighting can facilitate that circulation, just like you want lighting to facilitate circulation inside your store. And you can't rely on borrowed street lights. That's for car navigation. Pathway lighting is its own dedicated lighting. And it's got to be at the right height to support me as a human versus, you know, coming from stadiums on high or something like that. And two things, um, the amount of light. So we're going to talk about the volume and then the way that you focus the light on the sidewalk versus just, you know, bombing it uh, with light. So here's an example. You know, when you take pictures these days with your camera phone, it uses every available piece of light and it actually looks a little bit brighter than I was personally experiencing it. So this pathway, though, is unlit. I want to focus your attention, though, to the very, very center of the photo where you could see where the sidewalk is very bright underneath a, a white awning. So that is where I'm walking towards. So shoppers, when they're in a dark area, will hurry through it. We don't feel safe. We want to get through as quick as possible, which means we're not engaging with the storefront. We're just bombing through the district to get to the other destination. If you light it, people will slow down. If they slow down, they can interact with storefronts more. Whether you're a retailer or a chiropractor or a lawyer, slow down and enjoy the journey versus hurrying through. So let's, next photo is we're there. Here we are at the lighted sidewalk. And I want you to see, I want to talk about the light here. I want to teach you that this is good, strong, focused lighting. And how do you know that? Because I see a, a puddle. It's, it's a defined shape. I know the light is coming out in a strong form versus just uh, everywhere. And I will tell you what kind of light bulb later does that. That's when we get into the technical uh, end of the, of the talk here. So this scenario shows the right amount of light and it feels safe and it's reassuring us it's okay to be through here. We want you to walk through here. We'll be calmer and we will engage more, which is the whole point. Stop, let's chat. Uh, there is such a thing as too much light. This can be like the razor wire version of light to me. It's just everywhere, omnidirectional. Uh, in my question is, is it here for me or is it here to keep somebody else out? And that's not the message we wanna send on Main Street. Another light here is, I see them a lot, blah, it's just exploding light everywhere. And it's the right volume, but it's just too much in, in the wrong direction. I want it to go down on the, on the pathway and along the door. These are examples of those types of lights that just blare light everywhere. And I would avoid using those on your main street. Last example of a go everywhere light. Um, good news though, and under, underneath this awning is that they had power. So I knew we could get the right kind of lights in there. Half the battle was won because we had power up there. And look at this, two out of the three lights, the two on the left in the middle are the omnidirectional. And the third one over there brings your eye, brings the light down to the sidewalk. And it gives me, the other two do get there, but that's a better experience on the far right than the other two. Good, strong, focused, puddled light moving me down the sidewalk. It's a can light. The light bulb's tucked up in there. Don't see it, but I have light. Love it. You can get them for underneath your canopies. Before and after my hometown, we're lighting up this extra district, this little block, and they have ridgeline lighting, so that's good. A couple of the lights are out. We could fix that. But how's that? Before and after, side by side. It is so much nicer to walk down the sidewalk with these type of light, having light than what it was before. And the employees even, it's like, you know what? I didn't, I, it is so much nicer to go to my car now that I have light versus before. And another little before and after for my hometown. The doors to the back of the historic Kiggins Theater 
had just a little bare bulb before. Now we've got these great cones of light and it feels safe because the parking lot is behind the theater. You got to feel safe getting from the parking lot back over to Main Street. And these are another, these are barn lights. The light just comes out the bottom. They have a shade. It's not tilted back against the sign, but they're light, there's light coming out the bottom and the lights are just above the doors. So here's two layers, ridge line and pathway lighting. So this helps me move through the district and the lights are on inside the building. Your entryway, they did a good job on their entryway. Not so much on the side, but their entryway is lit. Bonus point, A plus on that right there. Uh, good lighting at your entryway invites commerce and absence of that is campers. Um, these are the types of lights I want you to look at and use for your entryway light. If you have a fixture, put a flat front LED light bulb in there. If you don't have a fixture there, I want you to use one of the middle or the, the far right type of light where it's, it's, it sends it out in a shape. And if you can, we'll have the face of that tucked up inside there. So light your entryways. Matter of fact, start here, not with the ridgeline lighting. I've got another little before and after story here. We added ridgeline, and not ridgeline, signage, pathway, and storefront. Doesn't, what a difference. This store is now awake 24 seven. So there's the before and the after. And yes, we painted in there, but still we didn't do much, you know, little paint and, and a lot of good lighting. How's that for a fantastic experience? And window display, last but certainly not least, because this is how we're really connecting with the people that are on the sidewalk, telling them the, an emotional story. This is who we are. This is what we are. This is how we are. And I want to invite their eyes inside behind the glass. And it, your glass has to be clear and it ha your display has to be lit behind there. You can't turn your store off at night. You need to have a simple message. Um, it's got to be clear glass. I don't want to see the backside of fixtures in there. I want you to have a theme. And of course, I want you to have it lit, whatever it is. We're not talking window displays today. We're just talking about having light inside of there. But it's so important because this is where the rubber meets the road. I'm driving down Main Street. And is this for me? I'm going to check your windows. That's the canary in the coal mine. How healthy are you? I will make a determination in seven seconds. Like, yep, I see displays. It's good. I'll stop. I'll come back for breakfast. Put them above the glass and um, on the wall above so that that light comes down on me versus coming from behind whatever you've got in your window in there. Three quick stories. Imagine this was a, a window in downtown for less than $300, including the light bulbs and props. Would you rather, would you like this experience for your travel agency or would you have more confidence in this? And at nighttime, even though they're closed, this is what you walk by now. I think it's a lot better experience because we've got light and the light is on something important in there. Shoe store. I would love to be able to know for certain, are those, do I like those shoes? I don't know. Are they open? I'm not sure. Their open sign is on, but because there's not the right type of light in the store, let alone just the windows, I can't tell if she's open for sure. But what if, what if you saw that? And you do now because we added light to the windows. And this is, even though she's closed, it's after hours now, she's showing me, I could see all the way into the window displays, the style issue that she's got. We even lit a display just inside the front door. So that's like her third window display. She got a bonus out of the deal. And of course we lit it and we did this all for the 300 bucks. It's not expensive, but you just gotta know where to put it and what kind of light. Art gallery in a, in central Oregon, super bright outside. They even had tinted windows. I couldn't tell what kind of art gallery, but I know they're open because they have the neon sign. We shouldn't have to rely on that neon sign to tell us you're open. I should be able to look in the window. And I don't know what kind of gallery, but we walked in, there's no lighting above the windows. The displays aren't up high enough to get light if they didn't have it. We added infrastructure. You can see where we added the lights in there one every you know foot and a half we added a light so here's the after you can actually even though they're tinted i could see the displays so i just put these side by side for you guys to see them difference huge difference um and just because you don't sell something physical if you have an office on main street you also have a responsibility to create a focal point put your name put lights on it put some artwork paint a color on a wall but keep your store open, keep the blinds open and light the inside of your stores because you're part of the connection too. You're part of the fabric. 
So those are the six. And let's go through the terms so that you are loaded for shopping with your going for your lights. First of all, watts. That's just the power it takes to, to fire up that light bulb. We used to use it to talk about volume, 100 watt light bulb, 75 watt light bulb, but we can't do that anymore. I'm gonna give you a new word, let go of watts. It doesn't matter. We are so efficient with our energy now, but you need to know lumens. So think of it like volume of light coming to your eyes, volume. That's lumens. That's how we shop for light bulbs now. So read and look for those numbers. A 100 watt light bulb is 1600 lumens. And so you'll you'll learn the math and understand how much volume to buy. Now I want you to know what color to buy. You can read daylight or neutral or warm and Kelvin refers to how the light makes you feel. There's a number related to that feeling and that specific color. If you go by words, and you go buy a daylight bulb, you're going to come back and you're going to plug it in and you're going to look at it and go, God, that's blue because it is, it feels cold. Here's your number. Oh, let's see. See if there's a, a, don't, I guess I put this here. Don't go by words. I want you to look for the numbers. Here are your numbers. 3000 is neutral. Never go higher than the 3000 Kelvin. We as humans, it's been proven we prefer the warmer color light for most of our environments. Go with 2,700, as high as I'll go is 3,000 Kelvin. There's one exception I'll make and that's for jewelry store displays. And we'll talk about that on another day, but go with these numbers. And another thing you need to know about when you're choosing lights for inside your store, color rendering index, that's why some LEDs are more expensive than others because they have a higher color rendering index. That means they make the reds look redder or more accurate, you could tell the difference between navy and black or you know orange. If you're just lighting a sidewalk, I don't care what the CRI is, but if I'm selling something in a piece of artwork or a sweater, I do care what the color rendering index is. That's another aspect or quality of the light, not the color of the white, but what color does it show the product is, color rendering index. And lights that have a flat front, will send light somewhere. Lights that have rounded fuzzy fronts send light everywhere. So all those lumens, they're just exploding every direction. I wanna wrestle them all and focus them on one object. The sign, the sidewalk, the product, the back wall, whatever it is, focus light. So you buy flat front light bulbs and you're gonna get focus light. LED or non-LED. They come in different sizes of circles and those sizes of light bulb. This is just an example of those omnidirectional versus the focus lights. The number when you read MR16, I'm reading from the bottom of the chart here, par 30, par 38, the bigger the number, the bigger the light bulb. But you'll, you'll see that the box is bigger. Uh, it's a lot of numbers uh, to remember, but know your Kelvins and that's important. Get a flat front light bulb make sure it's got enough volume of light coming out. And then we can talk about, you know, what size a little bit later on. That's getting to the 400 level, but I'm just, I'm throwing it all at you right now. And that is the end of the really geeky part of picking a light bulb, but it's important. You gotta, you put all this infrastructure in place. I don't want you to get to the last inch of the mile that you just walked and buy the wrong light bulb. So that's the end of it. Um, invest in lighting because it sells you your district in your store 24 seven layers of light, not just one, but layers of light tell the story. A lot of terms to remember, but the lumens and the color, very important, flat front focused light. And I want you to start with your window displays and your entryways because you can, you could do those overnight versus coordinating everything else. And I put the main street logo in here because it has a light in it. They don't have a bench. They don't have a trash can. They don't have a banner. Um, so I'm like, oh, look at that. They have a light. That's how important it is. So that's the that's the end of my, now you can make really good lighting decisions talk. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the connection worked the whole time. I don't know. Connection was great the whole time. That was okay. excellent. Cool. Uh, I'm, I'm still here. And then let me jump over and uh check in on things and see if we've got uh let me mute this 
Yeah. Oh my God. That was incredible. Um, yeah. So fascinating. I have learned so much about lights and things I didn't even think of, but you're like, so much of that is true. Like, uh, um, the, the, it's one of those things that's always there and you never pay attention to. And when it's done right, it completely like, um, draws you in and when it's done wrong, it puts you off so much. So that was fantastic. Yeah. It should be so good. You shouldn't even pay attention to it. It's just when it's bad that you're like, oh my God, what's wrong here? And then, then you're like, well, let me just, let's deconstruct why it's wrong here. So, um, yeah. So welcome to my geeky world. Excellent. Well, like a good thing to geek out on. Uh, you know what? Here's first off, this is good news. So, uh, Marley Boxler starts with, um, you like this. We're in the process of choosing lighting for a historic depot that is under renovation and being converted, um, to a visitor center, the lighting has been confusing the heck out of me. Can we hire you to help us? So do you accept payment for your services by any chance? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's great. I then do we've done our job. job. We've done our job. And I could sleep well at night knowing that you could sleep well at night because everybody that sees your work will love it. Getting the right color in there. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so we've got your contact information up here. So anybody that wants yeah. to reach out and throw a loads of money at Shawnet will be available too. Um, Somebody asked the question, and I don't know who because I wrote it down a while ago. Can you ever use uh, addressable LED string lights for ridge line lighting for like a festival or a parade type use? Well, here's the non-answer answer. It depends. Um, when you say adjustable, you mean the color? In, they if, wrote that, addressable, which maybe that was an error because I don't know what addressable oh, is. Oh, you know what's funny? I just auto-filled it in with adjustable thinking that's, but I shouldn't make an assumption. Um, I, I would say yes, but I want to make sure that all the other conditions apply, that, that the spacing is there, the shape is there, color changing. I think that could be kind of cool and, and just be kind to your future self and get something that you can maintain. So can you swap out the light bulb or can you splice in if squirrels get a hold of a line and chew it or something? Can you maintain it uh, long-term? And then if you can check all those boxes, then I'd say go for it. Excellent, excellent. Um, Deanna Wright wants to know, uh, how do you convince building owners to install uh, ridgeline lights? Oh, I have, where's my magic wand? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have an uh, easy answer for that other than it adds, if, if it adds value and enhances the district, it, 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 of course, maybe they don't want to be paying more taxes, but if we can lift all boats because economically everybody's doing better and if tenants can afford to pay a little bit of, of the, if the rents are going up as a percent of sales, um, I'm, I'm waxing on. They're really low cost to, to run because it's LED. Um, you have to hammer out a maintenance agreement. And that's why I focus so much on maintenance because a lot of, I've heard, I see a lot of drapey out lights that are just out. And, and then they're like, oh yeah, when somebody came through, you know, seven years ago and we tried it once and that's the evidence of what's, how committed they were to it. So um, you might have to come back in and say, this is what we're doing. This is how we're gonna take care of it. Uh, it's gonna cost this or not cost this. Um, just kind of doing your homework and um, due diligence. Excellent. I, I know uh, there's, there's still things to tackle, but um, that's the that's the surface frosting answer. Well, Keith Wynn said hello, and he said that uh, he hired you all to come in and work with business owners in Missouri and how great you were. We, um, so that's an excellent recommendation. Um, there was, let's see, Melanie Reason said, really looking forward to the presentation, putting together some lighting tips for her merchants. So that's great. A lot of people have asked for the slides and, and I'll certainly leave my, I mean, this video will stay up. Uh, you can still access it. My feeling as a presenter sometimes is I, the slides are mine because um, that's part of my work and I like to keep those um, so that there's some more value in them. But uh, this presentation will yeah. be available. Uh, the video will be available after, but um, leave that up to yeah. you. The te yeah, this is the this is the big teaser. This is uh, yeah, this is the deal. And when we work with retailers, just like Keith knows and a couple other you know uh, main streets that um, my business partner Anne Marie and I, when we're there, we we have kind of a as a parting gift, we've got like the cheat sheet of all the lighting stuff to leave with the retailers because it is like a truckload of information. 
Um, and that's one of the things, yeah, after we talk about everything else, then we give them the lighting information and that, you know, and then they go, go home with that. Um, so we could, we could talk about how we could get that in more people's hands. Um, so every, so Main Street does better everywhere. Uh, then I had the question, what about um, dark sky ordinance? Somebody might be in a community working with the dark sky ordinance. How can they include any of these things uh, or their examples? We will choose, we will make sure that there's probably not going to be any uplight. All the light will be focused down. So, so no, no pretty uplighting of cylinders. And then we also want to talk about timing and shielding um both of of the lights um uh, my, my folks lived in an area in montrose colorado that had a night sky ordinance and they still had a, a vibrant area but um time of day and and types of light fixtures it's a smaller basket of fixtures to choose from but you can still build the you can still build some uh pleasant layers and then your window displays are still gonna be really important oh wait whose dog is that we got it yeah, that, <laughs> show us Leon. the dog <laughs> Oh, he's, he's staring out the front window at another All dog, right. so he's, he's not ready to uh, come and share. Um, now, it's oh. apparently there might be a bidding war on the cheat sheet that you just mentioned. Okay, I see good. <laughs> no, email, uh, email me and we'll, we'll talk to you guys about it. Um, I don't want to um, make sure it's in the, in the right hands with the right information. Uh, definitely, definitely. All right. So an email uh, to Seanette if you want the cheat sheet um, to keep it out of the hands of those that would do ill with it. Uh, make sure to go directly to the source. Um, let's see if we've got any other comments. Uh, no more questions at the moment. So uh, again, that was really, really fantastic. A lot to think about. I think there's just so many comments about how much people appreciate it and awesome. things that they weren't thinking about and, and why it's so worthwhile because right, a district should should look good at all hours and especially if you want to invite people into your store yeah. like the it's funny these you know bars and stores or whatever that's like please don't see inside here We're like well then i'm never coming in if you're making sure that i don't know what's happening inside there right you just made my decision easier i'm not going in right i go by um but it, it is fun and, and once you understand what you're seeing you can't not see it anymore and and even you go to go out to dinner with my husband and I, and I'll be in a restaurant with really bad lighting or five colors white. You know, they just ran to Home Depot and Lowe's at different times in different years, and it's just a cacophony of light. And I'm sitting there, and suddenly I've lost the taste for my meal. But that's that. I guess that says more about me. But anyway, it's just you can't not you can't unsee light once you know what you're looking at. Right, right, right. So y'all right. have yep. the illness now too. You know what I know perfect glad to have it um thanks for having me and let me uh download this so ha yeah. for happy hour downtown bender um what a what a happy organic thing this has become well we really appreciate your being a part of it i'm happy to have all all uh, daytime drinkers join us for some some downtown information Is that uh, next? isn't that wasn't i last yeah yeah, but you're also like in the, the um, you know, all the way in Pacific time. So you actually started your drinking as early as anyone. So way to go. I have a black beet porter in the fridge chilling right now. There you go. Uh, well, thank you so much for being a part, Shonette. This was great. Everybody stick around in eight minutes. Uh, the downtown happy hour will come on and we'll all have some drinks together and, and kind of recount the day, talk about what all we learned, uh, share what everybody is drinking, and then we will uh, give a little uh, overview of what's happening tomorrow. So uh, thanks again, Seanette. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.